0: Log Talk Radio.
1: This is Abayomi Ezekaweki, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. I am your host, uh, Abayomi Ezekaweki. Today is Saturday, January uh, the 21st, uh, 2023. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in once again to yet another edition of our program later on in this program uh, we're going to feature our regular pan-african newswire report we'll have dispatches on the renewed anti-french demonstrations in the west african state of burkina faso demanding the envoy from paris leave the country united states uh, treasury secretary janice yellen uh, has spoken on the rising international debt crisis during a visit to the west african state of senegal the sierra leone uh, president uh, julius m Biro, uh, has signed a bill into law providing equal rights for women and the zimbabwe state media has discussed the potential impact of redollarization in the southern african state in the second hour we review an address uh, delivered by the african national congress National Chairman Grady Montashi at the Free State Provincial Electro- Elective Conference for the ruling party of the of South Africa being held this weekend. Later we examine the recent visit of the Chinese Foreign Minister to several African states. Uh, finally we hear a briefing from the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll take a musical interlude uh, with the uh, music uh, from Senegal, the Orchestra Baobab. Bob. This uh, album is entitled The Paris Sessions from 1978. Mm-hmm.
2: So hey, biluna hey, fikricharna hey, co- right. bo- na kita khawna e baba ni bamba biluna jove i've come na nan ginnauna baba ni bamba biluna e wa ikrapar aram baba ni bamba biluna atale ulunde baba elona ni baba ni bamba medun baba ni bamba alfred ya dan na kita baba Miluna u su ti di ben nan di nyona de bamba di mamma miluna Wi at ni di ben nan à la tour qui me la joie qui m'a mené que de mieux tard il mile, qui Samawajulla, wajullah, yere duida un tiarama, kon e kachiman mile? Sama bokla, sama la, tanta Marie, Africa, Africa, oui à Tiniber. Africa, il y a un peu. Demona, Biti Mourayo. Mande Sénégal Africa, Africa, Famiso. A veces yo sé yo ocho nuevo y nueve y diez, a veces si las mueres. Se sabe cruzando, se sabe el fuego que el fuego que dónde. Arrastrando yo y muriendo de preguer, se te dio veleño veinte veo veintitrés, y no me pereo pere i Tu vas vivre, tu ne guériras jamais, tu vas là là là, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas là là là, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas là là là, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre mon, tu vas vivre, tu vas vivre, tu I'm not going la be able to do that. I'm not going to be able
3: to do that.
2: Thank you. I'm <laughs> boy One want any number
3: of men, I want to say, I want to say, I want to
2: say, I want to say, I want to say, Kamona na bobakumari dawi sokar
1: Welcome back, and uh, that was uh, music uh, from the orchestra by Bob Bob uh, from the West African state of Senegal, and uh, it was entitled The Paris Sessions uh, from 1978, listening to the Pan African Journal, worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Saturday, January 21st, uh, 2023, we're broadcasting live for our studios in downtown Detroit, and uh, right now we want to move into our uh, Pan-African Newswire segment of our program. And these are some of the headlines in today's uh, Pan-African Newswire. Hundreds of people in Burkina Faso's capital of Ouagadougou marched to demand the departure of the French ambassador to the country. The demonstration was called by the Pan-African Leaders Collective, a political group that includes organizations who support Captain Ibrahim in power since the end of september the participants want the withdrawal of the 400 french special forces stationed inside the country the french ambassador we want him to go back the soldiers in tambasine uh, we are all want them to go back let them free Borkana demanded demonstrators uh one demonstrator abdul kareem sawadogo another demonstration another demonstrator Suleiman so, Sawadogo goes further. He said that, quote, we are Burkina Faso, an independent country. Burkina Faso is a sovereign country. We have decided we want to lead this fight, the war we are currently waging. Burkina Faso has, <clears throat> has decided <clears throat> to lead the fight uh, with good partners, and uh, we feel that France is not the ideal partner. To accompany us uh, to the final victory, he said, French troops withdrew from Mali last year after a 2020 coup in the former French colony saw its rulers inch closer to Russia. Since last year's coup in September that strengthened ties with Russia has become a priority for Burkina Faso. In other news from Burkina Faso, Burkina Faso's army has freed 66 women and children who were abducted earlier this month by the Islamic rebels while gathering food in the country's northern Sahel region, according to a state television report yesterday. National broadcaster RTB reported that armed forces had located the hostages during a military operation in center north region. The group included 39 children with four infants among them. Authorities have said they had been out in the countryside gathering wild fruit near the town of Arbenda in Saoum province when Islamic extremists kidnapped them on January 12th and others on January the 13th. And uh, United States Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, has uh, visited uh, the West African state of Senegal. And uh, U.S. Secretary of Treasury uh, Janet Yellen said in an interview uh, earlier today that she expects Congress will ultimately vote to raise America's debt limit. But demands uh, by House Republicans for spending cuts in return for backing increase are, quote, a very irresponsible thing to do, unquote, and risk creating, <clears throat> quote a self-imposed calamity, unquote, for the global economy. The Biden administration and the Republican lawmakers have been at loggerheads over how to increase the government's legal borrowing capacity. Just two days ago, the government bumped up its the, bumped up against the 31.381 <clears> trillion dollar debt cap, forcing the U.S. Treasury Department to take quote extraordinary unquote accounting steps to keep the government running. Asked in the interview. Conducted during her trip to Africa about such talk of withholding approval for a higher debt limit, unless there are accompanying spending cuts, Yellen called that the stands, quote, a very irresponsible thing to do, unquote, and said it could have serious consequences even before, quote, the day of reckoning, unquote. Quote, it is possible for markets to become quite concerned about whether or not the U.S. will pay its bills, unquote, she said pointing to the negative economic impact of a debt showdown in 2011. As for a potential default, she said, that would impose a self-imposed calamity in the United States and the world economy. The Treasury's extraordinary steps so far mean that the United States government should be able to, to operate until some point in June, when the limit would need to be increased to avoid what could be significant economic damage. Yellen said she has not spoken with the U.S. Representative Kevin McCarthy, the newly elected Republican Speaker of the House. McCarthy has yet to spell out the size and target of the spending cuts that he contends are needed to put the federal government on a healthier financial path. And uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment of uh, the Pan-African Journal. Other news uh, taking place uh, on uh, the African continent in Sierra Leone, a landmark bill mandating that women make up 30% of Sierra Leone's workforce and government positions went into effect on yesterday, along with paid maternity leave benefits extending up to 14 weeks. The legislation signed by President Julius Maada Bill applies to all companies in the private sector that employ 25 or more people. It also includes civil service positions and cabinet appointments. The future of Sierra Leone is female, Bill said at the signing of the bill approved by Parliament late last year. We must do all it takes to facilitate the timely, full, and unconditional inclusion of women in our national life, governance, and development. The new laws, 30% rule, doesn't include smaller businesses and those who are self-employed eking out their living, selling at markets or along roadsides. It does, however, also ensure women equal access to credit and other financial services. Those who discriminate on the basis of gender could face up to five years in prison as well as fines. Like every law, it might be tested in those who are found to be in contravention Will be brought to book, uh, said Aisha Fofana Ibrahim, a prominent gender scholar based in Foray Bay College, University of Sierra Leone. And uh, finally, uh, with the Zimbabwe economy set to move towards full redollarization, economic analysts have warned of growing risk of serious potential tax loss coming along with the growing use of U.S. dollars. The trend in the redollarization have deepened the with the domestic sales in the U.S. dollars now close to 80 percent, according to economic professor Gift Magano. With the bulk of the transactions reportedly being in cash, they are seen as favoring tax evasion. Last year, the government enacted legislation to entrench the multicultural currency system, which makes. Uh, makes both the United States and the Zimbabwe dollars legal tender for all local transactions for the duration of the National Development Strategy 1, the country's medium-term economic blueprint, which runs until 2025. Before the enactment of the law, the government had already legalized the use of foreign currency for local transactions in March of 2020 at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. There was phenomenal growth in the the use of U.S. dollars, including loans to corporates and individuals, payments of utility bills, and local authorities and salaries payments. The U.S. dollar-based retail transaction also increased after the narrowing of the gap between the black and official exchange rates since August last year when the government put in place several measures to stabilize the local currency and to tame inflation. With that, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In concluding this segment of our program, we want to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. This press agency was founded in January of 1998. Since then, it has published tens of thousands of articles and dispatches in numerous newspapers, uh, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to uh, the Pan-African Newswire, so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day. All you need to do is go to our website uh, at uh, panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to have access to today's Pan-African Journal, a worldwide uh, radio broadcast, all you have to do is go uh, to the Pan-African Radio Network, and uh, that's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan African Journal. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the Pan African Journal for this week. Music of none other than Holland uh, Wolf, Mister Chester Arthur Burnett uh, from Sunflower County, uh, Mississippi, and uh, during the tracking title, I walked from Dallas, and you're listening to the Pan African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast uh, for Saturday, January the 21st, 2023. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit, and. Uh, the African National Congress uh, Free State uh, elective Provincial Conference is taking place this weekend. And uh, earlier today, uh, there was an address uh, from uh, the national chairman of the African National Congress, the ruling party of the Republic of South Africa, Gwede Mantashi. Uh, let's listen to that address uh, from uh, the Republic of South Africa.
4: spent some weeks here in the province and many other times spending, spending the province. Um, we can confidently make observations. A key observation that we can make is that there is neither provincial or local government in this province. If we pin the land, we pin. Because, I go and province. The province is called Free State. Up a Free State. Hauna provincial government, how local government. Okay. It's an observation. That's why when the Free State leads in this space of education, you must celebrate that because it is a space of education emerging in a province where both provincial and local government are weak. Now let me let me when Years of government are dysfunctional, Iego. You know, one of the biggest dysfunction I've observed this time in the Free State, in your know, demarcation. The biggest rubbish in the Free State is your demarcation committee. You have demarcated the process that it cannot function. It just can't function. You know, I want to. Uh, a, a municipality called Copanum. Figure Banasara, that's all. This thing is a conglomeration of poverty. You peel you pull poor small torpies into a municipality, nine of them. Uti Ikawala municipality to Copanum. Ica a big geographical resistance from British to Jacas Obviously, when you put a municipality like that, you have no intention for it to function. Okay? No, no intention at all. We are, we are just fulfilling the checklist. <laughs> I have demarcated, I have, consolidated. I have consolidated. You have consolidated poverty. That's what you should do. So, if you look into that, you also look into a small municipality, which used to be small, but functional. I goes to a Ina lady, Na That used to be a municipality, your webinar, the and all that area. Very small. You dissolve it. You put it in Mangaung. We go there. I was a weapon and a divestor. But I was a ANC. For 10 years, we never failed the ANC. But but for 10 years, the ANC has failed us. Then, I was a Muslim. How did they fail you? But we used to have a small municipality, I don't know, in a lady. at least we had a small budget. We could do this and that and that and that. We've never seen anybody from Mangaung up. And even municipal workers there don't know what to do. Obviously, we don't want that municipality to work. Eh? We're just pulling people together. When people are unhappy, we don't know why are they unhappy. So, the PEC, therefore, that will be elected here will include the following tasks. You must urgently revisit the local government demarcation to ensure that people derive value from the municipalities in which they are situated not just a question of being in municipality. What value do we deprive? Uh, I stay in Eguru Lane. I used to have a mayor and an infuman and a self struggle and for uh betwa we is no mayor DA I can't talk to the mayor of the DA. I can't talk even if it's in I don't know what to do. I have to drive to the office and say listen you switch off my electricity. What to to go to a patal and a pattern. light for two days? I can't do anything. But I used to have a municipality t- and phone and it phone yeah, Have you had Uguti a cattle home a month ago. This can be feedback a feedback alone. And that is what people want from a the municipality. T-. There's no water and river spread and I walk there, there are no streets, okay? And, and I can't talk to anybody because it's part of a municipality of nine small poor dorpies. Can't work, comrades, it just can't work. We must revisit that. Number two, comrades, we must address the issue that in the free state, there's not a single municipality with a clean audit, not one. There are 41 clean audits in the previous financial year. Unfortunately, 22 of them are in one province I can't mention. (laughs) But all the other provinces have clean municipalities, except this province in the northwest. So we must talk about that openly and say what is it that we are going to do to address that. Lastly, we must access the capacity of the provincial government and pay attention to the leakage of state resources. Let's do that. It is a function of a PEC to do so. That's the big NEC, Aboya, Ndoba, is almost like dealing with an appeal. The PEC must look after that. The provincial government in a incapacity do they have the qualifications or is it nice to have now we can only be able to do this if our structures at provincial level and at regional level are functional and at municipal level branches must be active now at national level our immediate challenge facing us is low-shedding. Low-shedding. Klim-kwim. Barikin kasutu. Barikin kasutu. Kitima-tima. Tima-tima. Kasutasitimu. klim cream. Utu upaka atinendo umkumbai. Once that, that energy goes, network goes, so you are in darkness, you can't communicate. Now, the National Executive Committee has decided among key priorities for 2023 to accelerate the result of energy crisis and end load surgery. But there's a, a raging debate. Uh, let me characterize it in, in two ways. There is one debate internal to the ANC itself In the ANC, there is a section that want to succumb to the pressure of lowering the consumption of coal and go for renewables. It's not our enemies, it's ourselves. It's ourselves. Now, and then there is a group which is almost rebels, eh? (laughs) almost rebels. I won't mention them. We believe that load setting requires energy availability factor to be improved on the current coal generated stations? Now, now, once there's no conflict, is the conference of the ANC, we say ESCOM must go to energy. Then I can tell you, I, I hope nobody else is Gwede Mantashe, I'm the only one. Then you hear a debate shift from Escom to Gwede Mantashe. Now, the liberals, when they mobilize each other, they recycle lies and recycle and repeat them many times. Many of them through the media. A single megawatt, but it's not true not true. Now I tell one journalist, this goes if you approve a contract for renewables, there is a lead time of building that facility. I go to Saturday. It takes eighteen months on the average to build that facility. So what do you want me to do? And and what when the clinical kind of said I don't build power stations. <laughs> I approve contracts. Now, AAPA KUGUT, debate, number one. AAT might split energy and mining. It's a new debate. And that debate seeks to appease both sides. Because they will split energy from mining and then say they are taking ESCOM to energy. In terms of the resolution of conference of the ANC, and then take a greenie to run that energy. That's what they are going to do. Take a person who favors greenies, and Izo Pela is Now, let me explain this thing, yellow trading. ilo chatting, we can be. Nice about it. There are three things that we must do to overcome low trading in the shortest period. One, we must maintain and service e capacity ESCOM of the coal generating power stations to move from forty nine percent electricity availability factor to at least seventy five. Now, if he has come, only gives us a capacity, half of what is connected. Obviously, the are load shedding. Now, and therefore, if we don't prioritize that, we can have long reports that are not going to address the question of load shedding. The we must purchase additional capacity in the neighboring countries as we offers Okay, start. we must revitalise the major projects. Such up have certain of, the so the of because they are cast. Because in the rural areas we slaughter we slaughter cattle. Where <laughs> That's it. So that debate Gomez doesn't belong to Mpumalanga. It's a debate that belongs to the ANC structures everywhere. I avoid but must have state. Now building the branches as standards of community development. If 55th National Conference resolves that the restoration of vibrant organizational life of our branches is an urgent and important task of the movement. Think about the branches conferences can be with we a due to build and strengthen branches, to be actively involved in the life of communities. You know, go I spent one day in the vestor. I mean, the councilors How The ANC are not in the meeting. Yeah. Councillors of the ANC are not in the meeting. Kutuwa ba parallel meeting yabo, a mobilizer against the rally of January 8th in Mangahumu. And my program, I do find the floor, but I, as councilors in the Snickers Zone, the in the opposition in the Mangao Council. Akchumna, and the second and the Council, as, this, as and this, as of, as but what are What are you saying? That question, guys, They must attend to that issue. Sine there a problem? About the opposition number five. Number five, I mean, about opposition. All we do, we report to the NC, was Nabando Bakhan, who in the National Assembly has voted with the opposition. Do your work. So we must talk to our people. Our people must not be found wondering, where are the councillors of the NC? Number two, comrade. There are no roads in our townships. Now, I don't know, no way, probably, or province, or the problem, or the province, township in, as And gun driver around here, I never saw a yellow fleet, a crater, a front end loader, I've never seen that. My first job when I left school, many years ago, I was working in the department of roads and works in a bandstand. What we had there was yellow fleet. In roads, we know them by number. We have road number so and so, agasamentein. The poomitrax that was yellow on a grade, the ootutiki he crumbles, he can he the yindoi rollai. I have not come across those equipment here. There's no one. And that's my Can be I've not seen it. Now the, the, the therefore it is important therefore to renew our structures, to connect with the people and become relevant to the will and spirit of the people. I'm going to come back to this issue. Eighty Conference must build a new CAIDA. I'm not going to go into details into this, because Masake, a new CAIDA, The CAIDA that we have is not a CAIDA. For the love of the game. The for the love of the game. That's all. Now, what is the essence of this message that I'm giving you, Comrade? Is that people do not vote ANC because it is a nice name, African National Congress. People don't vote for that. People don't eat ideas. People want to see value after voting the ANC. If Abad were voting ANC and get no value, People are going to move on. That's why a branch is a very important organ of the AUC. You see, people want to get quality service from the AUC. When it does not materialize, they get disappointed first. Okay. they That disappointed better service from the that is the first stage. If that disappointment could persist, people are going to look for an alternative. One of the parties locally because they are looking for anything that promises good service. Now, We see this in the decline of our support government. Our support is declining, but many of us don't notice that. That's why we we can afford to be arrogant, smart to and walk away from them. Because we are not seeing that their support is declining. Now, therefore, Let's hope that this conference is the beginning of a new slate. One, first of all, you reconcile with those people that you think hate you or you hate them. The very new expression uh, today you could, Dickup a good man better can do a chile pants. Even I'm changing. Better can do a tele, pants, see. Starting point, reconcile with that person. You can't have an enemy in the ANC. It's a false enemy. Okay. Go out, nitenga wine, ni sele together, um ni I will be divorce. together for a long time. I, 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 And we must use these two days, comrades, to reimagine the economic outlook of the free state. The economic outlook of this province, you know, in this province, we've discovered a mineral which is described as a mineral of the free state called lithium. Lithium is in the free state. Okay. I'm not sure if the free state has ever imagined what does that mean to have lithium in the free state. It's a mineral of the future. Eh? And it's not small deposits. It's a big deposit. Big companies, love, including Ivan Platz, which are international companies, are wanting to extract that lithium in the free state. You know, when I was young, I know you. Because I was an athlete. A top class sprinter. <laughs> top class sprinter. We used to go to Western Holdings in Velcom every year in January. Spend a week there. Sitsay Napaya, we do to to a immense board week maize board which, if you drive around the free state even today, you can see that in maize production as a free state is resilient. It is a lead province issue. But is it a lead province on maize products? Or if Eastern Cape, la province are good. Number one, the population of cattle, goats, sheep, pigs, But in meat production, it's number five. Eh? Pies, cattle, goats, sheep, pigs. The province is having the biggest population of all of them. But in meat production, it is number five. This resilient meat production as every state. What does it mean for the province? I'm just looking at you. For example, the decline of gold and diamond mining in the free state. Is it less to chance? Is there any systematic management of it? Is it making the proper contribution to the province or CAA e. This conference, therefore, must start from a new slate and do a number of things, and we must go out and engage our people. When we commit to do and fulfil this task, comrade. We can then uh, uh, ask our commissars. It's called the commissars, huh? isn't done. Okay, for example, oh, Oprah, oh, Craig, oh, crab, oh, bani. These commissars are the Commissars condom. but we don't use them appropriately. So it doesn't apply only; here, it applies almost across. We must call them and say to them, commissars, take us through the basic theory of the balance of forces balance of forces, a balance of forces comrades, they must make understand that it is never static, it is in a state of becoming all the time. If support it will shift back and forth, that is the reflection of the balance of forces. but activists of the ANC, must understand, the balance of forces. And you can understand, the balance of forces, only balance of forces. Multi-forces. Multi-forces. Yes, that's multi-forces. Eh, that's. But look at the multi-forces. Eh? Multi-forces. It is such a state they you see as those who stand to benefit from change. It doesn't matter who you are, if you stand to benefit from change, we motive force. And that imposes a responsibility to defend the revolution. It is the working class and the rural peasants. So we cannot live working class, or to uh, mobilize upward. It's funabane mani. Want to belong to those who have money? No one have money. Gagana If you vote count for one, for everyone. Mebonomus. So we no longer with those who are having money. Ah, baba poor abala mleyo by working class, Singapore but if vote around the working class, less mm-hmm. one. Number two, immediately start to, majority of those who are councillors today and who are working in government, immediately start to, of, immediately start to because you outgrow working class, immediately start strata when we middle class, when we work, even the aspirant and real capitalists, the capitalists come with as the capitalists because of change. About the artificial capitalists, as yes, I yes. they deliver nothing. Spending but they all all the time. the motive forces because change the revolution. Service. And this work now is well on That is what is called corruption. But econom. But come business people, are making tenders, but they deliver nothing. So it is blacks in general and Africans in particular. Lastly, comrades, as a commissars, flaggers can because that's you know, when we to the four pillars of the revolution. Very few of us in the room here you know them. Just basic four pillars of the revolution, As, as. Then, because asazas, usmano we abuse, utwana kumbiri tuwako. Okay, abu abu So umkondo we say Sakulul. Now, because I was asked pillars, we were 21st in week. Now, I was in school. I was in school because we mass mobilization. I was in mass mobilization. The mass mobilization the the was, we were underground, we were guidance. in the international solidarity. I was pillars. I we was everywhere. So, I wish, Comrade, the conference, I wish it, it succeed. I wish you, disc- you debate, I wish you discuss, I wish you will resolve. But, elect a leadership, Comrade. Ubangaba Aba, is in your faction. Om is not going to bring any value to the lead team. Don't vote for him. Go back faction, vote. not He brings no attributes. So you don't vote for that person. Okay? If you, comrade, you value vote for that comrade. Now, now, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you
3: know,
4: i i go I'm Don't cross the path of a tiger. I'm I'm trying to look to fresh,
3: but
4: I'm in fresh Is it about fresh, i
3: Now.
4: You are not electing a faction, Congress. Okay? You must elect a leadership of the free state. And not drive a program of revitalizing the free state. Please. Discuss that. You have to pray. You have to regions You have to pray. You have to pray. You have to Links is under the same No. It's a leadership as a of province. Okay. Irrespective of factions. Okay. Ngos Kakulu have a successful conference. Anitanda, Rarata, and this is talk about man named and this is what you want to say. Sinitanda, Nina, no, okay, and go.
1: That was, uh, after National Congress National Chairman, uh, Guede Mantashi speaking at uh, the Free State, uh, Provincial Elective Conference uh, being held uh, this weekend in the Republic of South Africa. We'll take a break. We'll be back with our next segment.
5: I want you to
6: love
3: me
6: Love your baby I want you to love me, love your baby. I want you to love me. Love me with your own free will. I want you to love me. Love me with your own. Love me to the house that owns I I want you to love me to the house that owns I want
3: you to
6: love. Me, baby, you no, I, I was dead.
1: Muddy Waters and uh, Mad Love, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, worldwide uh, radio broadcast. And uh, right now we're going to move into our Talk Africa segment, uh, looking at the recent visit. Uh, by the foreign minister of the People's Republic of China to several countries on the African continent. Let's listen in.
7: This is CGTN, China Global Television Network.
0: For over three decades, Africa has traditionally been the first stop at the beginning of each year for Chinese foreign ministers in their annual global tour. Now 2023 is no different. China's new foreign minister, Ching Gang, arrived in Africa this week on a tour that takes him to five countries, Ethiopia, Gabon, Angola, Benin and Egypt. And in Ethiopia, Foreign Minister Chin visited the African Union headquarters in Addis Ababa, where he presided over the completion ceremony of the first phase of the China-built Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention headquarters. Now this week on the program, we delve deeper into the significance of the Chinese foreign minister's visit to the African Union and what to expect in China-Africa relations in the year ahead. I'm Beatrice Marshall. Welcome to Talk Africa. China has had long-standing diplomatic and economic ties with Africa. Now, among other things discussed during his visit, Mr. Ching Gang spoke about the need for solidarity and cooperation in Africa. Let's listen in.
8: Africa is a rising continent, a land of hope. It is full of vigor and dynamism the stability of prosperity of the world is impossible without the peace and development of Africa what Africa needs is solidarity and cooperation not block confrontation no country no people have the right to force the African countries and peoples to take sides Africa should be a big stage for international cooperation not an arena for major country competition.
0: Well, joining me now to take a closer look at the significance of Chinese Foreign Minister's 2023 visit to Africa. From Beijing, Professor John Gong, Professor of Economics at the University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. From Johannesburg, Professor David monyai Director and Professor at the University of Johannesburg Center for Africa-China Studies. And here in Nairobi, Ambassador Erasmus Mwencha former Deputy Chairperson of the African Union Commission. Gentlemen, welcome to the program and thank you for your time. Um, Ambassador Muncha, let me start off with you here because China's Foreign Minister Ching Gang uh, continued with the long-standing tradition of Chinese diplomacy for China's foreign ministers visiting Africa at the start of each year. First off, what are your thoughts on the Foreign Minister's Africa tour kicking off at the African Union?
9: Thank you very much, Beatrice, and uh, also acknowledge the presence of my colleagues. You summed it up very well in your intro when you mentioned that this visit comes as a a long tradition of China's foreign ministers coming to Africa at the beginning of each year. Now, that of course sums it out to indicate that uh, China took a long shot to put Africa as a priority. And... uh, significantly also to indicate that this happened to be uh, soon after the collapse of the Cold War. And as you remember that after the collapse of the Cold War, many people thought that Africa would be abandoned because uh, there was no significance Mm -hmm. that Africa was playing uh, beyond that Cold War, that Africa was uh, a conflict uh, zone. But there is also a significant part of it because Africa, as the foreign minister indicates, is, is a rising continent with 1.3 uh, billion people, with a GDP of over 3 trillion, and of course endowed with uh, a lot of resources. China itself, being the second largest economy in the world, there's no way you can avoid the two coming together to, 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 to develop cooperation. And of course, this relationship is not just because of those fundamentals. It is also historical because you remember China supported Africa, uh, you know, in the search for uh, freedom right. uh, from colonialism and apartheid. And, and this trend has continued. But the new frontier now is economic war. And China is in the forefront of continuing to foster cooperation between Africa and China.
0: Well, uh, this is uh, a very weighty political message. Professor Monyai there, you know, in his meeting with the African Union Commission chairperson, uh, the foreign minister said, and as uh, Ambassador Monya has rightly put it, China and Africa are standing at a new historical starting point. So what definitive issues are coming out of the tour?
7: I think, firstly, we have to understand uh, three major factors. Um, that defines uh, this year's visit. Uh, One has to do with the pandemic COVID-19 and the just recent reopening uh, of China. Uh, The second uh, has to do with uh, impending uh, geopolitics, the so-called new Cold War. Um, And within that, I think uh, we see global economy not doing well. Uh, There are a number of issues. Uh, uh, where um, Africa increasingly uh, is becoming uh, a center of attention, not just from China, United States, and other strategic partners. We also see this visit um, uh, comes at a time when the United States uh, uh, Secretary of State Blinken visited the continent uh, with the high chances that that, uh, President Biden will visit the continent this year. Uh, as he promised during the summit. Similarly, uh, the RIC summit that is going to take place in June in South Africa, chances are also equally high that uh, President um, Xi Jinping will also visit uh, the African continent. So all these factors are read together it gives us uh, quite an interesting time for the continent where um, strategic big powers have major interests. Um, especially uh, Africa-China, where the interest is increasing right. in terms of trade volume and people-to-people uh, relations.
0: Right, Professor Gong, a lot to consider there from the foreign minister's visit. Let me get your reaction uh, to that Africa tour, particularly coming at a time when China has opened up post-pandemic. a
8: Thanks for having me. I'd like to start with uh, highlighting the fact that um, Minister, foreign Minister Chingao has just took office just a few days ago, actually. Um, and it's, it's very significant to me that his first trip outside of China after taking that position is Africa. In addition to the fact that and we have a tradition here that the Foreign Minister from China usually you know, goes to Africa at the beginning of the year. And I think that's a very significant event. It highlights the importance of the whole African continent in China's foreign policy. Um, and as we all know, it's China is a major player in Africa. If you go to Africa, everywhere you know, you see uh, you know, bridges, roads, stadiums, uh, hospitals, uh, you know, built with the, the systems or, 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 or with some kind of financing from China. And, and we all know that uh, we came from the same history, the history of anti-colonialism, anti-Western you know, militarily. So you know, we have a lot of things in common. So, um, so I think, um, you know, the the importance of this relationship you know, cannot be emphasized, uh, and, 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 but again, but, but I totally agree that we are in, into a new era right now uh, against the backdrop of this, you know, broader competition between United States and, and, and China, which is actually unilaterally initiated by Washington.
9: Right. Nevertheless,
8: it's something we have to accept and we have to answer to. Against that backdrop, uh, China's uh, engagement in Africa um, is it, actually not towards sort of targeting uh, the United States. You know, our engagement in Africa started long before President Trump, ex-President Trump, and, right. and Biden started this policies. So, so, I think you know it's a um, it's, it's it's fundamentally based on. Uh, benefits for both sides is fundamentally based on the the gains and from trade and gains from investment from cooperation so it looks very well in Africa
0: you're talking about uh, the current relationship being based on economic development you know trade and investment has been a key focus for China Africa relations now with the West still predicting an economic decline in 2023 what do we expect from China
8: um, well, uh, honestly, uh, the China's economy you know, hasn't been doing so well this year due to the pandemic. Um, mean, previous year, 2020, uh, due to the pandemic, understandably. Um, but uh, you know, with the adjustment of the COVID policy, the country is opening up. Um, we I think um, after initial ramp up of you know very rapid infections, you know, we're starting to see. Uh, Things are coming down Uh, in major cities like in Beijing, Shanghai. Things are coming back to normal. Streets are getting crowded. Malls are getting crowded. Restaurants are getting crowded. Uh, So, so I think uh, this year gives a you know promise of hope in my view. Uh, I think tomorrow is still going to. Get into a, a bit of a difficult time in the first few weeks of the new year, but after that, I think we should be in much much better shape. And and um, you know the economic development in China, you know having a better shape in China also benefits Africa as well. And we import a lot of things from Africa, um, and uh, you know I hope um, these activities, uh, especially investment activities associated with the Belt and Road Initiative, infrastructure build-outs in African countries uh, will be um, not just resumed, but also strengthened. And I think China has no intention of uh, backing off from this route. Uh, We're going to continue as we want to, and we're going to continue to uh, develop closer relationships between the two sides.
0: Let's continue on that uh, economic development for a moment. Ambassador Mwencha, you know, uh, this visit, as we are mentioning, is coming at a time when China, you know, is opening its, its borders after three years um, of, uh, of closure. What do these changes in China's post-pandemic policy mean for trade and investment in Africa? It is
9: instructive to note that uh, even during the period of COVID, trade between China and Africa was not significantly affected. As a matter of fact, uh, this year, trade is expected to grow uh, in excess of $260 billion U.S. dollars between Africa and China, indicating the resilience of the trade that takes place between the two countries. But beyond trade, there is also investment, uh, investment in the key areas that have been mentioned by the professor and, and also indicated by Professor Nya. Now, this is just to indicate that the fundamentals that are in place that create this partnership between China and Africa are such that this partnership is for a long haul, in spite of these you know, uh, hiccups that would be coming along the way. Beyond that, if you look at the cooperation that Africa and China continue to enjoy, especially in the area of investment, China, for the last 15 years, 13 years straight, has also remained the largest investor in Africa. And China continues to occupy that position in a very strategic manner, targeting sectors that many Western nations off in the past, particularly in the area of social infrastructure, and now we see particularly the actual infrastructures that are key to the economy. So this cooperation is strategic, is for a long haul, and indicates resilience.
0: Right, Professor Monye, this is what Ambassador Wenchi is m- mentioning now: that uh, China has remained Africa's largest trading partner, actually for 13 years now in a row, and a two-way trade in 2022 uh, was expected to exceed 260 billion dollars. Uh, China's imports from Africa, as well, grew faster than its exports to Africa, according to the Foreign Minister. So, what's your reaction here?
7: I think these are uh, interesting. Uh, development and I think what we are seeing is the newly um, signed um, Africa Common uh, Trade Agreement, um, a new uh, way of doing business on the African continent. And within China itself, I think we have seen China opening up its markets, uh, particularly uh, to agricultural products coming from the African continent. So there are a lot of opportunities and challenges challenge uh, challenges in terms of uh, the African continent taking advantage of adding value to the product that they are selling to ever-growing Chinese middle class. I think that's the key issue. Africa is going to compete with other developing countries in Asia, Latin America, and, and other parts of the world. And therefore, I think it is important for the African continent to avoid selling just raw material uh, ensure that we add value, uh, create jobs on the African continent, and ensure that the trade um, is a somehow fairly uh, equal trade in terms of uh, these volumes, which is quite promising. And according to the China-Africa uh, Forum, uh, there is no doubt that they are going to meet the target of going beyond the 300 uh, billion. And I think we're going to see much more new issues coming in, um, particularly on issues of space, uh, e-commerce, technology in general, and the, Africa should and must really um, ensure that it increases the regulatory framework within uh, and between African countries, and ensure that there's more knowledge uh, in terms of dealing with uh, high-tech uh, economy, uh, opening up the uh, blue economy, for instance. So. It's quite interesting that China uh, is continuing to engage the African continent and at this we encourage other countries uh, to engage in a similar way.
0: Alright gentlemen, we'll continue with this discussion in just a moment, but first we're going to take a short break and when we come back we'll look closer at how the Chinese foreign ministers' visit may strengthen China-Africa policy this year.
3: America. America. I'm not going to
0: Welcome back to Talk Africa. Still with me are uh, Professor John Gong, Professor David Monyae, and Ambassador Erastus Mwencha. Now, before the break, we looked at the significance of Mr. Ching Gang's visit to the African Union. Let's now examine how China's Africa policy will adapt in an evolving global environment fraught with geopolitical intrigues. Professor Gong, let me start off with you here because the foreign minister addressed the sensitive issue of Africa's debt. Now, according to a World Bank report, multilateral finance institutions and commercial creditors hold nearly three-quarters of Africa's overall external debt, the bulk of it, actually. So why is China the only one accused of having an African debt trap narrative?
8: First of all, you know, this narrative is perfectly wrong. You know, I I keep uh, referring to a a very detailed study of a scholar, a professor at the, uh, the, the... uh, Melrose Williams College in, in the United States, actually located in Virginia. She, you know that university is a collection of uh, data, That's what's was called the a Data, uh, re- regarding you know all the uh, um, uh, investment and, and projects in developing countries, and it's a very reliable database. I mean, this professor you know, did a very detailed study, and and his and her conclusion is that the whole idea. Of this, you know, that trap is a is a total hoax. It doesn't really at all. This theory of borders on lunacy in my view, is it's, it's 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 premised upon the assumption that the the lenders are a, a, a holding into a, a swindling into a, something that they it can it can never pay off. Uh, it, it's premised upon the assumption that the borrowers are stupid. Uh, it's premised upon uh, the credits, the lenders. Uh, Knowing, getting to a uh, arrangement that they know that the borrowers are going to default at some point in the future, you know this is totally crazy to me. You know it, it's a, it's total conspiracy theory. So um, um, I think if you look at the history of this notion, uh, it came from clearly a geopolitical maneuver. Uh, it refers to a situation Sri Lanka was first pointed out by uh, some uh, scholars in India, uh, and you know coming from India, it's totally understandable to me why you know, these people are doing this. Uh, nevertheless, you know, was picked up very quickly by some Western um, politicians Correct. and made a big deal uh, out of proportion. Even though I totally reject the notion of debt trap, but I am on a, in the camp of taking a precautionary attitude towards taking on too much debt. That's, that's no doubt about it. Uh, and I think it's up to the, uh, the African side, the project owners, the, the African governments uh, to make ultimately a decision with respect to how much debt they have to take on.
0: Ambassador Munya, what's I your take in ad- in Right. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Professor
7: in, ad- in addition to what the Prof has put out, uh, um, we also have to understand a number of key issues that uh, China does not follow the Western uh, way of lending uh, as defined by the OECD, um, and therefore, I think that's where the major issue uh, comes. Where Western countries wants to force China to follow the OECD, uh, something that comes with conditionality, um, um, and and beyond that, it's just competition between China and Western countries. So we need to understand these factors before we blindly follow the so-called debt trap. The other important is also it's our historical, the so-called dead track. If you go back historically, the end of Cold War, uh, the end of Second World War, particularly in Europe, um, there was a lot of borrowing uh, that United States itself uh, played a critical role in the Marshall Plan. Reconstruction, uh, development of major infrastructure after the war. And uh, this kind of borrowing, it took time for Western countries, particularly in Europe, to repay United States. And similarly, to expect Africa borrowing and within a short space of time pay back that money, it does not make sense, any economic sense. Uh, Infrastructure finance takes time. It's a gradual process. And therefore, it requires the role of the state to create a conducive environment, ensure that you grow your uh, market, uh, ensure that economic activities, particularly on our continent where we need much more to close the bottlenecks in terms of trade among ourselves to increase the volume of trade among African countries. And therefore, there is, and I agree with the prof, there is a need for Africans to Uh, be trained to understand how to uh, negotiate deals, it's very important. So the question of debt crisis is not just to China, it's to all other lenders. And if you look at the true picture of debt in Africa, uh, Western countries um, have much more debt in Africa than just
0: Ambassador Mwencha, your take? Yes,
7: yes. as my two
9: colleagues have indicated, if you look at the total debt stock of Africa, now stands at over 700 billion US dollars. Of that, China only holds about 20 percent. But the way it's portrayed out there is as if China holds about 90 percent of that debt. And and so uh, a lot of uh, you know Western countries are coming to Africa or taking a stance that Africa should distance itself from China. Yet this debt stock is held by the same countries, if not the multilateral banks from those countries. But again here, if you look at the way Africa-China engages, this is a mutual relationship where Africa, normally under the FOCAC forum, where Africa presents its needs and China then takes uh, a selection of those projects that they think uh, that they have the capacity to be able to support Africa's development. So it's not like China is coming to Africa, deciding, picking and choosing what they can do without Africa's consent. Right. Africa may be holding foreign debt, but a lot of Western countries are also having domestic debt. I mean, if you look at the inflation we are facing now globally, it is because of the stimulus package, which are, of course is a domestic debt, that a lot of these countries have gone into, whether it's Europe or United States. So that is uh, is being used as a weapon, right. but yet it's an instrument that is used, particularly in correcting uh, social or when countries face certain hiccups that we mentioned earlier.
0: Professor Gong, pick up on that uh, for us for a moment. Um, How do you see though the geopolitics playing out, um, even as Western powers now look to rebuild their relationships with Africa? What do you foresee?
8: Well, first of all, I I, I don't think uh, China is interested in uh, competing with the United States in the geopolitical arena. I mean, I think the, uh, from China's perspective, relationship with Africa is mostly—I would just say—mostly overwhelming of a commercial image. Um, it's, it's you know coming from the perspective of uh, uh, economic development, benefits both sides, coming from the perspective of furthering uh, the, the, the economic and, and people-to-people exchanges. It's mostly coming from that perspective. So I think the Chinese government has spelled out very clearly that we have no intention of engaging in this kind of a competition. We have no intention of exporting ideology. Or, or our model of doing things around the world. This is not our purpose. So um so I think um you know the the, the so called geopolitical uh, 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 uh competition is imposed upon us unilaterally, which which in my view should be totally rejected. Um so uh, so from from there in that regard, um I think uh Washington is doing something um, that's of an entirely different nature. Um it is Right. And I think it may not be beneficial to African people in
0: African countries. All right, gentlemen, I want to get your final comments. And very briefly here, I'll start off with you, Professor Munyai. What could be the next steps? What do you see as the next steps in furthering political cooperation and economic development of the global south? Very briefly.
7: I think we're going to see a much more strengthening of relation among the global south um, opening up and democratization of these institutions, particularly United Nations Security Council, the G20 with the possible Africa uh, AU gaining uh, a seat uh, uh, way and above uh, the seat uh, held by South Africa, and uh, more cooperation on health, um, on issues of conflict uh, resolution, and other key issues. And Therefore, the future lies in the global south. and we're going to see much more economic activities taking place going forward. Uh,
0: Ambadra Moncha?
7: Yes. Um, We're now
9: in a post-COVID environment, which also opens up new opportunities. Uh, It's instructive to note that when the foreign minister was in Addis Ababa, he opened the new Center for uh, Disease Control for Africa this is again a new area for cooperation because health is emerging as a very important sector there is also the environment that africa is now facing increasing challenges especially as we see the 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 global changes that are causing problems in africa particularly drought and other aspects but there is also the digital economy that africa is opening to and which uh, foreign ministers indicated that it would be a, a future area of cooperation between Africa and China. In addition to a new environment that China has also indicated that Africa and China will stand together, particularly in furthering Africa's interests in a global arena, and of course in the area of peace and security, including global peace and stability.
0: All right, Professor Gong, you have the final word.
9: Well, since uh,
8: Foreign Minister Qin is visiting earlier this so I want to say a few words about Ethiopia. Um, I think what Africa needs most is uh, stability, political stability. Ethiopia could have been a role model for African countries in terms of you know African-China foreign uh, cooper- economic cooperation, but unfortunately, it was engaged in a civil war for many years. You know, I have uh, I have actually quite a few students on my own, PhD students, uh, in, in uh, uh, Eastern African English-speaking countries. Including Ethiopia, some of them actually hold pretty important office. Including uh, uh, the person seeing uh, in Kenya as well. Um, it, it, the, unfortunately, you know, political stability is something absolutely important for any uh, talk about economic development. And I'm very happy that uh, eventually they signed the peace deal, uh, and I hope peace will truly prevail and truly come back to Ethiopia and, and we can get onto a, you know the track of economic development in that wonderful country. Uh, and I hope, I hope for the best. I hope for Mr. Chinggong's visit for his success in
0: Africa. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your insights on the program. And that's all we have time for on this edition of Talk Africa. A big thank you to all our guests, Professor John Gong, Professor of Economics at the University of International Business and Economics in Beijing. Professor David Monyai, director and professor at the University of Johannesburg Center for Africa-China Studies, and Ambassador Erastus Muencha, former deputy chairperson of the African Union Commission. Remember, you can be a part of this conversation online through our social media handles on Facebook and Twitter. You can also catch the show on our YouTube playlist. To so keep this conversation going, and join us again next week for more Talk Africa. From me, Beatrice Marshall, and the team here in Nairobi, until next time, goodbye. bye.
1: Welcome back, and uh, that was uh, Talk Africa, uh, a discussion uh, surrounding the visit of Chinese foreign minister uh, to several African countries uh, just uh, a few days ago, and you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Saturday, January the 21st, uh, 2023. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, once again uh, to yet another edition of the Pan-African Journal. We'll take a break. We'll be back with our concluding segment uh, for uh, this program. welcome back and uh, that was uh hustling women blues uh, by Memphis many and you're listening to the pan african journal worldwide uh, radio broadcast and of course we have been bringing uh, you uh, the various uh, news information uh, from around the continent and of course we will continue to do this throughout the entire year of twenty twenty three Welcome back, and uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast. And if you'd like to have access to uh, today's program uh, for Saturday, January 21st, uh, 2023, all you have to do is go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. Uh, that's at Com uh, forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio. Uh, forward slash Pan-African Journal. And uh, these programs can be shared with uh, other potential listeners by merely copying and pasting the links into emails and sending those emails out to other potential listeners. The programs can also be shared by copying and pasting the links onto other blogs and websites. And uh, the programs can be shared as well through social media networks, sharing the links through Facebook, Twitter, and other social media networks. And if you'd like to have access to the Pan-African Newswire, uh, all you have to do is go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And uh, in doing that, uh, you can have access to some of the most pressing and burning our uh, reports, uh, news analysis, and dispatches uh, throughout uh, the entire globe. <laughs> and the uh, uh, just last week.
10: Health emergency happening on the continent and what Africa CDC is doing. Colleagues, as usual, we know after the director's briefing we're going to move into our question and answer section. Uh, That way you are able to interact with the director, sending your question, and then we forward to him for adequate response. Uh, To do that, as usual, the channels. We have three. One is the Zoom channel, two main methods there. You use the Q&A right in your questions, of course, with the name and, of course, your institution that you represent. And then the next one would be on live. You can use the raise your hand icon at the bottom of your zoom screen, and then we will recognize you and let you come in live directly to us. The third medium would be our usual WhatsApp group for media, the WhatsApp number, 251 Let me read that again, 251 want to do. send out your questions and then we can forward that to the, to the director doing our question and answer section of this briefing. So without much ado, let me turn you over to our host for today. Uh, Dr. Ahmed. Is over to you. Thank you.
11: Thank you, Nick. And um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're joining us from. Welcome to the second uh, briefing of uh, 2023 from uh, the Secretariat of uh, the Africa CDC here in uh, Addis Ababa. Um, we've begun the year in a um, uh, uh, double-edged way. We have very good news, but also we have challenges that are coming in right at the beginning uh, of the year. Uh, the good news, um, let me start with that, is um, the Ebola outbreak in Uganda Uh, was declared closed yesterday. We counted uh, until the midnight of January the 10th, and yesterday, January the 11th, 2023, that particular outbreak of uh, the Sudan type has been declared closed. So we began the year um, on a very uh, good note by uh, declaring that particular outbreak closed. That outbreak has... um, was discussed yesterday during the uh, the closure event, has several characteristics that I would like for us to take away um, and appreciate the changes that are happening on the continent of Africa. One is that um, in under 70 days, uh, we brought um, an Ebola outbreak under control. In fact, it was exactly 69 days from the day that the first case was uh, confirmed until the last um, uh, case uh, was uh, discharged. In this way, we uh, are seeing a very good trend where our systems on the continent are um, uh, responding uh, effectively um, to uh, an outbreak that has the capacity to disrupt uh, socioeconomic activities like Ebola, particularly the Sudan type where we don't have uh, any rapid tests and we don't have uh, any uh, vaccine uh, yet. So in within 69 days, in under 70 days, we brought that under control. Very, very good characteristic for that. Second is um, that we used public health measures in a very targeted fashion, including uh, restriction of movements in a targeted way, lockdowns in specific areas, curfews in specific areas, and members of the public. In the beginning, it was a challenge, but as soon as they understood why this was being done, they came on board and have been the biggest asset to the speed with which this particular outbreak has been brought under control. So using public health measures in a targeted way Um, uh, as well as ensuring that members of the public are part and parcel of um, uh, the response has given us very good results. The third characteristic that this outbreak has had is the level of coordination that the government of Uganda has had uh, amongst the partners. Uh, There have been many partners, over 50 of them, that have been uh, uh, supporting the outbreak response, And the coordination has been very, very efficient. And we must commend the government of Uganda, particularly the health minister there, for being a very good coordinator of the different partners that were on the ground. That effective coordination resulted in synergy and therefore very early control of this a particular outbreak. So we've begun the year on a very good note. Um, when we look at um, the public health events across the continent, we have a few dozens that we are monitoring in different countries, and we have seven uh, that are of concern, and therefore we are giving these seven very detailed attention. And we have four that we are actually actively responding to. We grade responses. And uh, by grading the responses, we know uh, what kind of effort we then put in uh, when it comes uh, to response. The seven of concern that we are dealing with now is one is uh, Ebola, the one that um, uh, has come to an end. Um, The outbreak has come to an end. Second is COVID. Third is uh, the multi-country MPOX outbreak. Fourth is the multi-country cholera outbreak. Uh, Fifth is multi-country Lassa fever outbreak. Uh, Sixth is yellow fever, again, multi-country. And uh, seventh um, is the West Nile virus outbreak in Libya. This is still amongst um, uh, animals, but uh, we are watching carefully so that it does not get into the human population, and neither does it spread um, widely in the animal uh, population. So these seven are of concern, but the four that we are watching, and I'll share um, some details today, are COVID, um, uh, Ebola virus outbreak, Mpox, and uh, cholera, and I'll give a little bit of uh, detail with Malawi where really our focus uh, currently uh, is. Uh, So for the Sudan um, Ebola virus, this outbreak, I've already given a summary of that, and we are very happy that this has come uh, to an end. Let me add that we continue for the next 90 days to work in the communities. Uh, we have enhanced surveillance mechanisms, particularly in the, in the epicenter areas, but generally across Uganda. Um, uh, we are also still working with the neighboring countries to ensure that cross-border activities remain um, very active. Uh, And uh, secondly, we are still strengthening laboratory capacity, um, particularly in uh, the areas where um, the health system had been uh, weakened. Uh, Thirdly, we are still within the community. We have our village health teams uh, working within the community to ensure that the understanding that we had during the crisis continues and strengthens the way in which we, we. Respond to any other outbreak that may be able to come. Uh, Fourthly, um, the uh, preparations for um, the clinical trials continue, um, and um, although the protocols uh, will be adjusted because there are no more cases, uh, but that still continues because we want an effective uh, uh, virus against. Uh, I mean, like an effective vaccine against this particular um, uh, Sudan uh, type of the Ebola virus, and finally. Uh, coordination amongst the partners is also continuing to ensure that we infuse resilience into uh, the areas that uh, we've been responding in and in general across the whole health system uh, uh, in Uganda. We, you will also recall that um, um, when in October there was an emergency meeting of health ministers uh, uh, from Uganda and uh, her neighbors, uh, we established, um, affect the Africa Uh, Ebola virus um, uh, task force, that is still in place, uh, gathering information, sharing knowledge, um, and uh, establishing mechanisms for coordination, uh, not just within Eastern Africa, but also across the continent, so that we are better prepared for uh, Ebola or any other outbreak of this nature that may be able to come into the future. So we are still very much within Ebola response, um, although we have declared the outbreak over to COVID. Um, As of uh, the 12th of January um, today, we have documented as follows. uh, 12.2 million million cases, uh, which is about 2% of the total cases reported globally. Um, 256,000 deaths, which is about 4.1% of the cases reported globally giving us a case fatality rate here on the continent of 2.1%. We are losing two out of every 100 cases that have been uh, uh, reported on the continent of Africa, still much higher than you would have liked. The good news is that since the last briefing, um, no more new waves have been reported on the continent of Africa. The numbers still remain manageable. Um, and this, again, is a good piece of news from uh, the continent. Um, you will have heard um, of reports of uh, the sublineage, but particularly XBB 1.1.5. Uh, uh, this has now been documented here on the continent of Africa, in Botswana and South Africa. We are currently monitoring that situation very closely. Mm-hmm. We continue to sequence samples from across the continent uh, to monitor which subvariants or which variants may be able to come, which lineages, sublineages may be able to be detected. And uh, at the moment, uh, we do not have uh, any reason of concern uh, regarding the identification of uh, XDB 1.5 in Botswana and South Africa. And the reason for that is that um, Omicron uh, already peaked, uh, particularly in the Southern Africa region. And um, the sub-lineages we do not expect will um, give a different profile of uh, transmission because of uh, the relatively high rate of uh, both natural and um, vaccine-induced immunity that we have uh, on the continent. But we continue to monitor that very, very closely. When we look at trends, when we compare um, week one of 2023, that is second to eighth of January, and we compare that with uh, week 52 of uh, 2022, uh, we see uh, 4,792 new cases have been reported during this week. And this is a 40% increase in the number of cases when we compare to the increase um, in uh, the number of uh, cases. We are also monitoring very closely as it is quite um, uh, linked to the holiday season. And we want to see if there is any significant effect uh, that the holiday season may have had. When we look at the number of new deaths, we have documented 21 new deaths during week one, um, epidemiological week one of 2023. And this is a 133% increase when we compare to the previous week. Again, we are monitoring this very closely and looking at the data from across the continent uh, carefully uh, so that we can be able to Um, respond appropriately if at all uh, there is need. We are also closely following up across the globe um, the spikes in numbers in certain parts of the world and how those uh, may be able to affect um, our uh, response here on the continent. At the moment, we do not see any need for travel restrictions. Um, They will not be effective at this stage of the pandemic, and we are encouraging our member states to continue monitoring uh, through targeted testing um, and, uh, of course, uh, vaccination. Uh, But for uh, travel, um, we do not uh, recommend uh, any travel restrictions. When we look at the four-week trend, and that is the last three weeks of uh, 2023 compared up to the first uh, week of 2023, we see that there has been an overall average increase by 6% in the number of new cases across the continent. So the the trend we are seeing in the weekly trend analysis and the trend we are seeing in the four-week trend analysis uh, tells us that we need to be more watchful, uh, uh, monitoring where uh, these numbers uh, are increasing. When you look at the number of deaths over the four-week period, we are also seeing a four percent increase, and um, uh, this again uh, tells us that um, um, although there is uh, there are changes in the numbers, um, it is still not yet at a scale uh, that will be different uh, from what we've been doing for the last uh, almost three months. These observations in the number of new cases and also in the number of uh, deaths reported over the last four weeks. Um, has has resulted in our advice and recommendation to our member states um, to continue with the vaccination campaign against COVID-19. We want to increase coverage and immunity uh, so that we have uh, a much better protection amongst members of the public. Secondly, we are encouraging increased testing so that the true burden of uh, uh, disease can be able to be known. and um, we are also encouraging g- uh, genomic surveillance so that we can be able to monitor uh, any variants, sub-variants, sub-lineages uh, that may be able to come. Surveillance needs to start uh, not just at the community level but also at the health facility level so that anybody presenting with um, any uh, influenza-like illness um, can be given an opportunity uh, to check if at all it will be uh, uh, COVID-related. We're also encouraging our member states to report to Africa CDC uh, in a timely manner that will allow us to be able to know the number of new cases, the number of new deaths, any recoveries, vaccination status, tests that are being done, um, and um, any support that may be required to our health workers who are in the front line. Uh, So this is the advice that we're giving our member states Uh, at this stage. Vaccination continues on the continent. And to date, we have received 1.076 billion COVID-19 vaccines, uh, doses on the continent, and we have administered um, just over 882 million, which is about 82% of the total supply that we have received. Coverage, it continues to improve. Um, When we look at our target population of 12 years and above, We have now done about 43% of this target population, meaning about 400 million people have been fully vaccinated on the continent. This means that almost 4 million additional people have been vaccinated since the last briefing that we had. The scale is good, and we are encouraging our member states to pick up as we get into the new year. Boosters are also being um, administered, and um, to date we have 3.26% coverage for booster doses, which is about 44 million people having been uh, boosted with a third or a fourth dose uh, in uh, uh, at least of 42 member states who are reporting um, uh, the booster uh, numbers that they are giving. When we look at um, our... Uh, target population of 12 years and above, 14 member states have now uh, reached the 70% uh, uh, target for this eligible population and we are working with others to be able to reach and surpass um, this particular target. It's very important that we reach this target because um, we don't want any uh, variant, sub-variant or sub-lineage to disrupt the good work that has already been done uh, on the continent. So we, con- we recommend not just getting the vaccine, but also uh, getting a booster for those uh, who are eligible. Specifically for our SLL um, uh, program, the Saving Lives and Livelihoods uh, uh, Initiative, um, we have so far um, 18 uh, African member states who have begun implementation. And these 18 continue to um, expand the reach of um, uh, uh, vaccination within the population. Um, and in fact, about 182,000 vaccine doses have been administered this last week, um, giving us a total of about 10.8 million doses administered by the program from the beginning of the campaign. We continue to bring on board more countries into the um, Saving Lives and Livelihoods uh, uh, program. And we are looking forward to even more um, uh, doses being administered through this very, very innovative uh, program that um, uh, we started uh, since uh, last year. Um, the, the next is um, the next uh, public health event of concern that we are actively responding to is a multi-country MPOX uh, outbreak. As of um, uh, today, uh, when you look at um, this week and uh, the last briefing that we had, five new confirmed cases um, have been reported uh, from two countries and no new deaths. Five new confirmed cases and no new deaths. Um, And the the five confirmed cases are from Liberia uh, and Nigeria. Cumulatively, from the beginning of uh, this current outbreak at the beginning of last year, We have documented uh, 1,267 cases and 226 deaths uh, as a result of MPOX uh, from 13 uh, of our Africa union member states. And um, uh, this uh, case fatality rate translates into losing one in every five confirmed cases, which is not a a very good um, uh, situation, and we are trying to uh, ensure that we control that as best as possible. Three countries still remain the ones that are accounting for the vast majority of um, the cases of MPOX, 94%, and that is DSC, Ghana, uh, and Nigeria. But in total, 13 of our member states have been affected by MPOX during this current um, outbreak. As Africa CDC, we have been providing key support to all the member states, particularly the ones that are affected in a big way, um, apart from uh, risk communication and community engagement. Uh, we are providing laboratory support, including uh, relevant test kits. Uh, we are providing capacity building for all uh, health workers involved in um, uh, the MPOX response. Uh, and we are also we have also secured um, vaccines that we are in the process of uh, ensuring um, uh, regulatory approvals before uh, we can be able to deploy them in the high-risk countries amongst the high-risk populations. Uh, Finally, for um, the uh, public health events of concern that we are actively responding to is the multi-country cholera outbreak. Since the last briefing, 4,032 new cases Um, have been documented and 393 uh, new deaths uh, have also uh, been documented as a result of cholera from uh, four countries and that is Burundi, Cameroon, Malawi and Mozambique. 71% um, of these new cases and 88% of the new deaths are reported from Malawi, meaning it is really um, the epicenter for uh, uh, the numbers that we are reporting, uh, although many other countries are also um, reporting uh, cases. Now, when we look from the beginning of this current outbreak, we have reported um, over 102,000 uh, cases and uh, over uh, 2,000 deaths from 14 uh, of our Africa Union member states. This uh, case fatality rate of a, uh, means that uh, we are losing two out of every ten uh, cholera cases, and this is a situation that we really need to change uh, quite rapidly. Um, <clears throat> when we look at the totality of cases, Cameroon, DRC, Malawi, Nigeria, and Somalia account for over ninety percent of the cases, um, although Um, uh, many other countries are um, uh, reporting smaller numbers of cholera. It is the season because there's rain and flooding in uh, many parts of the continent, and so uh, we are um, supporting these member states to ensure that keep the numbers low um, as we uh, establish a better uh, public health environment in terms of sanitation, water, ETC um, at uh, country level. Now, we want to focus a little on Malawi. Since the declaration of a public health um, emergency uh, uh, due to cholera by His Excellency the President of Malawi on the 5th of December, we have been providing support and working with the, uh, the government of Malawi uh, to address the most critical needs. Most of the districts on the, uh, in the country have been uh, reporting cases, and this means that um, the response is therefore country-wide. You will recall that this started in the context of Tropical Storm Anna and Cyclone Gombe and has continued um, uh, to spread uh, amongst uh, the population. Um, Access to uh, basic water and um, uh, basic sanitation is key to our response, even though we continue to treat those uh, who uh, have been affected. To date, 14 uh, member states on the continent are reporting uh, cholera at different uh, levels but when you look at Malawi um, the numbers are uh, uh, high and um, uh, a very large part of the country is also uh, affected. We as Africa CDC are deploying an emergency team uh, starting from uh, today um, to provide the much needed coordination and expert support that Malawi uh, uh, requires. We want to be able to um, uh monitor the environmental um, sources and consequences. We want to ensure that um, all uh, water sources that are being um, you know, utilized in the communities um, have been uh, um, quality assessment has been done. Uh, we want a stronger surveillance uh, system in place so that we can pick out the hotspots, address those quickly as we continue to engage with the community in, a, in an effective way. We want to. Ensure, we are also supporting community health workers, being there to provide information and show the communities how we can be able to prevent this uh, rapidly. And we are also working with the government to ensure that water, hygiene, and sanitation commodities are in place wherever it is that they may be needed. So the situation in Malawi is special when it comes to cholera and Africa CDC have uh, deployed on the quest of the government there uh, so that we can support their uh, response uh, activities. Finally, is um, uh, some few uh, reflections as we go into the new year. No uh, specific announcements for today, uh, but there's some uh, reflections that we have uh, is that Africa, when we look at um, the experiences that we've had over the last, especially one year, since the beginning of uh, 2022, we have continued to share the successes and what we did to make it successful. And uh, we are very very glad to see that um, uh, other parts of the world, countries from other parts of the world, institutions from other parts of the world are actually reaching out uh, to uh, learn from uh, our challenges so that they too can be able to be better prepared uh, going uh, into the future. For 2023, um, uh, I would like to add that um, uh, the continent, our member states, Africa CDC, African Union, our regional economic blocs, we are preparing for um, uh, the negotiations for the pandemic treaty. Um, We are also ensuring that um, as we... Uh, go through the process of review of the IHR uh, 2005, uh, the African voice, the African experience, the African positions have been well captured in both these uh, very important global level uh, documents. So thank you for your attention for today. And Nick, back to you.
10: Thank you, Director. Very comprehensive uh, briefing there. Uh, speaking on several different outbreaks happening on the continent and, of course, ending with uh, the significance of uh, African voices being heard in those different global negotiations. So the briefing today, colleagues, you heard covered uh, starting with the Ebola situation that subsided in Uganda, moving on to COVID. Then he ended, the director ended with, of course, the cholera uh, pointing out a special focus on Malawi to be the next focus of Africa CDC in terms of uh, uh, outbreak response, even though we are still supporting member states in other areas. So colleagues, once again, let me repeat uh, our our mood uh, for sending in our questions as we are now uh, transitioning to the question and answer section of this briefing. Uh, as usual, we will use the the raise hand icon on the Zoom screen. Just at the bottom, you will see the raise hand icon. Just use that. And and we can you can come to us live. As a matter of fact, we already have two of our colleagues who have raised their hands. Uh, that is Paul at the puju and another colleague. We're going to come to you shortly. And then you can also use make use of the question and answer section of the Zoom screen as well. And lastly, you can use our usual WhatsApp number plus two five one nine four five five zero two three one zero. As I navigate through the different meets here, I see that our colleague. Sarah Jevin has also come through on the WhatsApp. So, colleagues, we're going to just jump quickly into the question and answer section. Let's start, let's do justice to the colleagues who have raised their hand earlier. And we are going to start with our colleague, uh, Paul Adiputu. So, the colleague on the, the, the background kindly allow Paul to, to come through with his question. Paul, it's over to you.
12: Yes, uh, thank you very much, and um, Happy New Year. Uh, to the entire Africa CDC team. So I have a couple of questions uh, for Dr. Amir. And the first one started um, from the conference and uh, where you announced um, the center's uh, focus uh, to prioritize and mainstay participation of youth. So from an infectious disease control perspective, um, what do you think and how do you think um, bringing focus on youth uh, as strategy, uh, for infectious disease, um, how do you think that is going to play out and, um, what do you think would be, uh, a top priority to focus on such that, uh, the youth, African youth, uh, play more active roles in infectious disease control and, uh, strategies that put them into concentration, uh, actually deployed. Then, um, yesterday, uh, WHODG announced In a briefing that um, there has been uh, a significant drop globally in the number of sequencing. Uh, He said uh, from the peak of Omicron uh, that there has been up to 90% reduction in sequencing. I'd like to know what is happening in Africa, whether we are seeing a similar trend, and um, what Africa CDC's initiative to address this issue, uh, is. um, the strategy is about. And a third question for now, if I can quickly chip that in, has to do with um, the Uganda uh, Ebola outbreak that officially ended yesterday. Uh, in a statement, uh, the Minister for Health said um, that I still know clear-cut information on the source of the outbreak. And um, considering the fact that you said in this briefing that other parts of the world are coming to learn from, from Africa regarding responding to outbreaks, uh, what do you think is still lacking, and why does this seem to, we still seem to struggle with uh, being able to identify uh, the primary source of an infectious
3: outbreak like this? Thank you very much.
10: Yeah, thank you, for okay. So, Dalato, so, we'll just go straight to you.
11: Yes, no, thank you. Thank you very much, Nick. And thanks, Paul, for for those questions. Let me start with the last one. I think it's uh, a lot more complex. Um, Indeed, yes, we still do not know the exact source of uh, this uh, particular um, uh, outbreak of the Sudan type Ebola virus in Uganda. And um, it takes very careful uh, anthropological studies to be able to trace back where it may have started. You will also recall that um, uh, this will have been very difficult to do during the height of um, the the, the outbreak because we were very concerned at that time uh, with uh, reducing exposure uh, from those who are uh, infected to those who are not infected. Our focus was very different. Right now, um, we are um, supporting the government of Uganda to do that particular study to trace back where could, it have been, where could it have come from? Uh, and that will help us to prepare uh, uh, going into the future. The reason why it is a challenge is because there was a gap um, in um, identifying that an outbreak was actually in place. It took um, at, at the very least 10 days before uh, the system picked that up uh, in a, a comprehensive way. So we lost a little bit of time, and uh, that loss of time, uh, some information was also lost. Now we have to go back and carefully look um, at the situation uh, there. So it is a challenge, but it is not unique. Whenever um, you have an outbreak of this nature that is not clear where it has come from, um, you need to be very careful how you trace it back. COVID is still with us uh, without a very clear cut um, uh, 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 source and, um, of, of the infection as well. But uh,
1: welcome back. And uh, that was a uh, excerpt from the African Center for Disease Control and Prevention briefing uh, from January the 12th. And that's going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Journal, the worldwide radio broadcast for today, Saturday, uh, January 21st, uh, 2023. We've been broadcasting live uh, from our studios in uh, downtown Detroit. We'd like to thank all of our for tuning in. If you'd like to have access to the program, just go to the Pan-African Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. And if you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of the pressing and burning issues of the day, uh, just go. Uh, to uh, the website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. We'll close out our program uh, for today uh, with the music of the Detroit uh, jazz guitarist, uh, Kenny Burrell. This is from a 1963 album entitled Freedom. This is Abayomi azikawe signing off, and have a beautiful week. Thank you.